So welcome to the Bill Bradley Collective on a somewhat chilly and overcast Friday night. What's good to be with you guys? How you doing, Zach? Doing well. That's good. So I have a question to you about a Simpsons song. Ah. He'll sting you with his dreams of power and wealth. His twisted twin obsessions are his plot to rule the world and his employees' health. He'll welcome you into his lair like the nobleman welcomes his guest with free dental care and a stock plan that helps you invest. But beware of his generous pensions, plus three weeks paid vacation each year. And on Fridays, the lunchroom serves hot dogs and burgers and beer. He loves German beer. Who is this person? Ed, where was the harmonica? Uh. You needed the harmonica in that song. <laughs> I'm, wor- I'm working on a song. Is it the German owners when they buy the plant? No. I, I am not good with songs in The Simpsons. His, his, the, the key is his his twin obsessions are ruling the world and his employees' health. So, Mr. Burns? Oh, it's Scorpio. Oh. <laughs> Hank Scorpio, who well, was trying to rule the world, but was an outstanding employer. The, the best part of that episode, though, is when they show the improvements in the town and a homeless guy becomes a mailbox. <laughs> also, when when they're saying we can't, like, when he, destroy the, <laughs> he destroys the Queensboro Bridge and they're arguing maybe it just fell on its own. It's yeah. like, that's a very good episode. It's a great episode. Have you ever seen a man say goodbye to his shoe? <laughs> Got a lot of good lines. Yes. Yeah, once. All right. How are you doing, Andrew? Uh, good. Mixed emotions, man. Like, the Rangers suck. The Knicks are awesome. The Jets make me scratch my head again with a first-round pick that I just don't understand at all. Well, but, I'm okay. Uh, I was okay with the pick. We'll see. He's old a, for a rookie. Did you not see not the a position of need. In the no, but he's old for, he's Did you old see the video of him jumping over a car, though? He's, he's, he's long. He's very athletic. You can never have enough. They have a loaded defensive line room. You can never there's, have there's enough. There's too many guys. Not enough snaps for a guy. You take 15th overall. Not enough snaps for him. I I, I, I understand that. I was, I mean. Who are they going to take? I, I was mean, hoping I they were going to tra- They should have traded down. And clearly nobody wanted Will Levis, which we found out because he went undrafted last right. night. But I would have taken a receiver. Connecticut's own, Connecticut's own Will Levis. Oh, I know. That's, uh, that's, grew up in Madison and went to school at Xavier in my, in my yeah, hometown in Middletown. Sure. Anyway, also he put his. Hand on his mother's thigh for much of the How night. How about his bevy of just like blonde sisters, <laughs> and then the what you assume is the girlfriend, the brunette, shows yeah. up, and she's like, "Did you see the video of her yeah. where she clearly is saying like I have to go pee, I have to go pee?" Yep. <laughs> she, 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 had, she, had, she, she didn't get up. She, they, had, they she, had, uh, she had twenty hours before uh, to do it. Because, she had plenty of time. <laughs> plenty of time. Yeah. So, you talked about your beloved Knicks. Sure. Three Knicks have done what Malcolm Brog, uh, Brogwell did this year win the sixth man of the year. Who are they, and are they dead or alive? Two <clears throat> guards and a, four, and, a, and a front court person. John Starks. John Starks won twice, yes. Is John Starks dead or alive? Alive. He is alive. Okay. Another guard? You want me to go to the other guard next? Um, more recent than Starks or before Starks? Cause I more say- recent. More recent. Jamal Crawford? No. Well, no, you said I had it right. No, I thought you had it right. Well, it's, when, no, you start, um, when you started with the J, I thought you had it right. Um, fuck. More famous for playing with the Cavaliers. J.R. Smith. God damn it. That's correct. Dead or alive? Alive. Great collegiate golfer now. Right. <laughs> <In his 30s. laughs> and um, the forward? Is it Bill Bradley? No. no. He also made... Uh, Bill Bradley... Uh, the six-man doesn't come until 82. Is it Charles Smith? 
No. No. What is it? Nope. It was Anthony Mason. Uh, God damn it. Okay. it uh, who then made second team the next year, made second team All-NBA, or third team All-NBA uh, for the Hornets. Anthony yeah. Mason, my man, just always uh, writing shit in his head. Yep. Just writing like uh, <laughs> Mace. It's all right. good and all yeah. kinds of uh, very so, good so messages. Is he writing dead or alive in the back of his head right now? I feel like he's had some health scares. I think he's still alive. He's no, not, it, oh, he's, dead. he's dead. Yeah, he died. Fuck. He was, a, he was fat when he was an NBA player. I know, but he's like, he died. How old was he died? Like 50? He was, he was 48 when he died Ugh. in 2014. Damn it. I knew he had, like, it was just, yeah, like you said, overweight and liked to party. And, uh, Although Perk awesome. is still going. <sighs> and Perk looks like he ate Perk. Perk, Perk, <laughs> just, Perk just boxes out the buffet line at ESPN headquarters yeah, every day. That's, like, what he's doing now. Yeah, he's you, eat himself you, you, know, you know when he's in Bristol... Those cookies at the at the double train. Yeah, yeah. He, Mrs. He, Mrs. Fields, getting, we need more. They're getting yeah. the box. So sure. we are going to be talking today, first first Tuesday of the month. So it's uh it's our seasonal focus, which is rivalries. So with our seasonal focus, we're going to talk about Pete Rozelle, who preceded Roger Goodell to be as nope, he preceded Paul Tagliabue. Paul Tagliabue, uh, as uh, commissioner of the NFL, and Al Davis who preceded his uh, fail son, Mark Davis, uh, as the owner of the Oakland or Los Angeles or Las Vegas or wherever they were at the time, Raiders, um, and uh, was really a founding part of the AFL. I hope uh, our resident Raiders fan listener, Schroeder, uh, vigorously fact-checks us. I'm I'm sure he I don't think he has to fact-check the bad haircuts uh, for Mark Davis, although I guess they're super expensive. Get a bowl. <laughs> it's it's not hard. It's Lloyd Christmas. It's like, you know. Get one at Goodwill Christ. for like two bucks. Looks like a pumpkin pie. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not cheap to look that cheap. It's actually a Dolly Parton joke. So let's talk a little bit about, we'll start with Pete Rozell. Pete Rozell takes over the NFL in 1960 at the ripe old age of 33 after working in the PR department for the Los Angeles Rams. Imagine where the NFL was in 1960, where you could just work for the Rams in the PR departments. Hey, do you want to be commissioner? Fledgling. They were a, <laughs> it was a fledgling. I mean, the NFL was 40 years old at the time. Roselle's a Los Angeles kid. He's from, I believe, Compton, actually. And Compton, and 30 years later, 40 years later, is a slightly different ethnic makeup. But this is on the heels of like the 1958 NFL championship game, the the Colts Giants game that pretty much launches the NFL into the sphere. Is like this is a this is a product. It's so it's before it's like boxing, horse racing, baseball, and college football. That's the game two years before that takes the NFL professional football to that next sort of national level. He succeeds Burt Bell, I believe. Yep. As, as, as I believe that's correct. At 33 and. And now we're kind of off because also in 1960, you have the foundation of the outlaw rival AFL, I believe, right? 1960? Yes. That same year? Right. Davis is um, comes the commissioner of the AFL actually uh, in 19, not until 1966. Yeah, it's in 60, he became the general a, manager. A, a, yeah. He, and, um, and head coach. Right. That has to be an irritating. Yeah, and Scout, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Bill Parcells before Bill Parcells, right? right. And yeah. Be- or Belichick, Belichick before Belichick. Yeah. yeah, he takes over a team that went one and thirteen, and they immediately go ten and four. 
I mean, we can get into the football aspect of this because I grew up, and the only person that talked about the 40-yard dash was Al Davis. Everything was about speed. He just wanted fast guys. He famously did not want Marcus Allen, was really annoyed that they drafted Marcus Allen. Marcus, because Marcus Allen did a, uh, ran a 4.740 at the Combine, and he was still, one of, his, one of his friends said he was still complaining about it when Allen was admitted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. He said, yeah, Hall of Famer, my ass. Yeah, he ran a 4.740. Fourth greatest running back of the 80s. <laughs> like, you know, pretty good player. Yeah, he was a... Both for Davis, both for for Oakland for a long time, and then Kansas City. He's Kansas one City of the, at the end. He's one of the few running backs who had like careers. You grew, up, you, grew up, you grew up hating the Raiders, right? I did grow up hating the Raiders because I was a Chiefs fan, uh, and Davis was incredibly irritating. You you would see him in the press box like he wasn't coaching back then. Uh, Madden was a coach by that point. Um, not neither one was a coach for their first Super Bowl team. I had, I had never heard of the guy who was a coach, Johnny Rauch, because I uh, was the coach of the of the uh, Raiders when it's, they got pounded yep. in the Super Bowl. Yep. Um, but, no, I grew up hating them because I, I was a Chiefs fan. I, I loved Otis Taylor, who just passed recently, and Len Dawson, Elmo Wright, Buck Buchanan, uh, Willie Lanier. These are great, great teams uh, at Podolak. And the only games you would see, like the 4 o'clock game twice a year, was Raiders Chiefs because they were really good, and this is like uh, late sixties, early seventies, early seventies. Early seventies. I started watching football seriously in seventy one. That's when, like, I was nine. My father, my parents, didn't want, my father didn't watch sports, so it's I mostly got into sports. He watched boxing. That was it. And so, in, when I was about nine, I really started following it. Um, but Lindnikoff used to just drive me out of my mind because a he caught every pass on third down, third and eight, third and nine didn't matter. But B, at that time, you could put stickum all over your body, and he would catch balls like he just would lather himself in this in glue. And then you know, when when uh, they they made it illegal, uh, they asked him about it, and he said, uh, and I think it was uh, Ken Stabler said, Blitnikov will make, still make great catches. He just won't make them anymore with the backs of his elbows because the ball would just. Dick to him. They name the most outstanding receiver in college football is the Blitnikoff, Blitnikoff Award. Award. Yep. If you look at his like pro football reference page, Blitnikoff, it's like forty catches, nine hundred and fifty yards, just like an absurd like <laughs> catch uh, yards per reception numbers. <laughs> just that were yeah, yeah, and, because of Stickham. Because of Stick, <laughs> right? And um, and he was not the deep threat on that team. The deep threat was Cliff Branch, Cliff Branch. who yeah. was um, a track guy, and. Just stood on the outside, you know. It's uh, as they say about Gabe Davis. He stands on the outside and does wind sprints. <laughs> he just would run down the field, and every once in a while, Daryl Lamonica, who was the quarterback when I started watching them, would <clears throat> just throw the ball up deep, maybe six times a game, and he'd catch two of them. And he'd have two catches, fifty yards. But it is funny, guy would guy who would lead the NFL in receptions would have like forty eight catches for nine hundred and sixty yards. Like they didn't throw the ball. Nobody threw the ball. They, they threw, the Raiders threw the ball way more than anybody else. <laughs> But so Ru- Davis takes over in 66, <coughs> and the merger starts becoming a thing because Davis starts rating the NFL players, which had not happened before. It's the, the first big fish is Joe Namath, is it not? 
Yes. Yeah. He grabs Namath out of out of college, and but then he also signs Ditka for a uh, Ditka was the best tight end in the league. He tries to sign Ditka for a team. I think he did. Um, and so suddenly, the cost is going to you know the cost of the players is starting to go up. Sure. He kind of did what Trump did with the USFL, but where everything touched. Trump touches just turns to shit. Um, he uh, and we'll get to this later because Davis backed the USFL in their suit against sure. the NFL. Um, but uh, it, he he did not have it with him. It sets off. It's the hard merger doesn't come till seventy. There's the soft merger in sixty six where these teams are. There's AFL NFL preseason games, and obviously in by January sixty seven we have Super Bowl one, which is the AFL champion NFL world champion. It's a soft merger. It's not totally complete because AFL is still in with NBC. The NFL is with CBS. And it's not until 1970 where we get the, you know, we morph. We're, we are one. We become one. You get the Colts jettisoned from the NFL to the AFL or AFC. Again, AFL becomes AFC. NFL becomes NFC. Um, and represents the AFC in the first post-merger Super Bowl. Correct. Yeah, because they represent the AFC uh, against. Well, no, it's uh, it's, well, actually, it's actually it's it's, it's the last the next one, one Super Bowl five, right? The, the, is, the, is Colts, right. Colts Cowboys, yeah, right. Um, and it was um, one of the worst games in human history. Awful. Uh, um, yeah, Dave O'Brien kicked like a thirty-four yard field goal to to win the game. He was a re- he was a receiver and field goal kicker to give you an idea of how things were different. I feel like the the merger <laughs> though is really where like the acrimony starts to begin because I think till his to his deathbed. Al Davis felt that everybody looks at Roselle as the architect of the entire merger, but Davis, who had served obviously as the architect of the Raiders, as a former AFL commissioner in the mid '60s before he went to the Raiders, where Davis felt that he had as much to do with it as Roselle did, and never got the credit. And I think a lot of that is the underlying tension uh, for basically the next 25, 30 years of that yeah, relationship. Well, he's got an argument. Like he makes the AFL, he makes the Raiders good, makes the AFL more popular. Like. He, there's no merger if the program dies or if the organization dies. No, like it, if he takes over and everyone folds like the USFL did, he he was, he was the architect. I mean, he he wanted the Super Bowl. Now they didn't call it the Super Bowl; they called it the AFL NFL Championship Game or something. That uh, first first two years, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they right, and then they retroactively made them Super Bowls. Of course. Um, the keys are, I think, A, the Jets win is a huge thing. Let's, Let's fucking go. go. Yeah. How about that kid <laughs> last night announcing the pick? <laughs> that was that was the highlight of the night. Sign him. I wish the pick was better, but yeah, that kid was, that was all, that was a cool moment for sure. Um, but the, uh, the highlight of the night was watching Will Levitz just sit there. Uh, <laughs> highlight, low light, depends <laughs> on, there's yeah, a, you know. there's, There is something about that. And Hendon Hooker too, who also seemed to not know, like, the people at color televisions. Like, he's wearing a bowling shirt. I'm not sure he's going in the second round. No. Honestly. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see after this. Right. He's all, he, well, I hope if he doesn't go in the second that they, he waits till the fourth because... That'll you know, be tomorrow? Right. Because, yeah, sad, yeah. Because, you know, at his age, he's going to go to bed early. Getting getting, <laughs> getting back to the uh, Raiders, I do. I will say, I think... We'll see if this prediction's right. I think the Raiders take Will Levis tonight. But, to uh, back up Jimmy G. So... But yeah, he uh, Davis. To get back to to this, Davis is is angry about that. He's always angry, and it's also 
Roselle got credit despite the fact that this had become a kind of polarizing issue in both NFL and AFL circles. Roselle and Davis did not get along at all, ever. And they had the same job for their painting leagues. And, you know, Davis said, I don't view the, the NFL as a competitor in business. I view them as the enemy. And I treat them like the enemy, which is just awesome. Al Davis all the time, just all the time. Um, There's a certain pro wrestling thing here, guys. Yeah, there yeah. really is. Because if you think of like, obviously, there's nothing's going to compete with the NBA now. There's going to be the NFL, but like, there's an upstart wrestling company, and it, it, you know, we'll never see an NFL AFL type merger. I think ever again in sports, like, there's never going to be a league that gets to the AFL's point. You know, no, the leagues are just too big. They're too big. Exactly. I mean, you can't even. I mean, frankly, it's been shown you can't even do it with the PGA. Like live sure. live golf is it's like, like forty eight. Re- it's just forty eight renegades and yeah, it's, it's forty eight. Yeah, yeah and, and nobody cares. Most of them over the hill and yeah, yeah nobody yeah. cares. Um, the USFL had the best shot because they had so many players. Sure, but even that was you know almost a, or the oh, du- come or, out of 30, 40 years ago or the WFL which had which was in the seventies and they signed Kick and Zonka. They signed a whole bunch of guys, but that league only played one year. I think. Yeah. Regardless, um. Hank Schramm and uh, Lamar Hunt were kind of the guys who got this to to work because Schramm could talk to the other NFL owners in a way Roselle couldn't. And Hunt, Hunt was the Lamar owner. Hunt, right? yeah. Hunt was the owner and, and uh, coach. Yeah. Right, and Hunt was right. I said Schramm. I'm sorry, Hunt. Oh. And Lamar Hunt could talk to the um, AFL owners in a way that who often didn't like Davis because of course he was also another owner. He's not just commissioner of the league. He's another owner. Um, which didn't work with Bud Selig. It didn't seem to work great here. Um, a bit of a conflict of interest. Yeah, a bit of one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but it gets done, and 1970, Roselle gets ABC to do Monday Night Football. Yeah. That was a Roselle thing. He wanted sure. to be on on a weekday night. And Monday night, I remember when Monday night football came in, and it just changed everything. The, and the Raiders were the ex, like exclusive Monday night team. They they played a lot of Monday nights, right? For like twenty years, they played the most. Of, uh, it's the greatest television they, product of that that that's ever been. Yeah, I think I, I saw. I, I think I saw the Raiders record up to eighty nine on yeah. Monday night football, and it was like twenty fifteen and one. Yeah. I was like, how do they? It's like every week. Well, they didn't have the rule that everybody had to play in prime time. So just the best teams. So you just didn't, yeah, I mean, teams. right, the, the marquee teams played over and over and over on Monday Night Football. So you had a lot of Cowboys. Well, but, who, who, Zach, who played in the first Monday Night Football game? Jets, right? The New York yeah. Jets. Yeah, it was right, because they had just won the Super Bowl. Sure. Well, Jets Raiders, I think. Cleveland. Jets Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, when Earl Campbell played for the Oilers, they were on Monday Night Football like four or five times a week, a year, like just constantly, uh, because that was the big property. And then finally, as the rights went up, NBC and CBS are saying, yeah, we're not just taking the shitty games all the time. Yeah. Like, we want we want the good games. And then ABC got into the you – know, they wanted the uh, – they increased the playoffs so ABC could get a playoff game. Like Every, third, of, every third Super Bowl. Right. Piece of the Super so Bowl. everything is kind of just kicked in uh, based on that. The whole, you know, as a product, it becomes incredibly important. But then the next blow-up is in 1976. With George Atkins, right? That's before the antitrust suit. Yep. Trump suit. Sure. That's four years later. Right. Davis and Roselle 
are constantly fighting all the time about everything. They just don't like each other. George Atkins, you know, tell me a little bit about this George Atkinson issue. Of course, the, and the Raiders had a tradition of being the dirtiest team in football. I mean, Daryl Stingley was paralyzed and, and, you know, all of that. I'm surprised we got to this far in the pod where I'm just going to say, you know, just win, baby. The, the Al Davis, just yeah. his whole moniker. Um, yeah, the Raiders are like with the Steelers, the two model franchises of the AFC in the 1970s. They have a, a great rivalry. They play in the playoffs most every year. The immaculate reception and oh, all of the rest. Yeah. Down the line. And they play in a 75 postseason game against the Steelers where Atkinson, a safety, a hard-hitting, I use hard-hitting kind of like... He'd be yeah. uh, he'd be in jail today, but um, uh, bru- it puts a brutal hit on Love Steelers uh, star receiver Lynn Swan. I remember the play. Yeah. The next regular season, the '76 regular season, does the same thing: a forearm to the back of the head renders Swan unconscious, and uh, Steelers coach Chuck Knoll and Steelers ownership's like, "Whoa, this is." And they, they call it like in the in the lawsuit. I think it's this guy's Atkinson is bringing a criminal element to the game. And then Atkinson files a defamation or a uh, yeah defamation suit. defamation lawsuit, right? Where where Al Davis is or, su- super supportive of him, sure, his player, one of his pillars of this super successful team, great player. And Roselle, Roselle testifies on the behalf of Noel and the Steelers against Atkinson um, in a suit that Atkinson does not win. Correct? I do not believe he won it. He did not win it. No. Um, a couple of things here that I think it gets larger topics. Um, the corporatization of the NFL is a Roselle creation. Like, no question. Like, he gets everybody in line. It, it, everybody except Al Davis. He gets everybody except Al Davis in line. Al Davis is the wild card his entire time. Um, B, Al Davis, and Schroeder's right about this, our friend Schroeder, is in the forefront of racial justice issues in the NFL. Most progressive team in the NFL? <laughs> Not anymore. But one of the most progressive figures in the history of the NFL, yeah. Al Davis. He is. He hires obviously a he hires the first minority coach. He hires the first black coach. Um he paid well. Uh, was very supportive of his players, if uh, unless they ran a four seven forty, and then he would never forgive them. His his battle with Marcus Allen was just weird. A guy that wins a Super Bowl MVP for the, him. The better, just, the better, yeah. the better he played, the angrier Davis got because he was clearly wrong about him. Doesn't want to be wrong. Can't yeah. be wrong. But the criminal element quote may have a touch of racism to it. Sure. Uh, no. Who loved his guys, but... The two hits on Lynn Swan. And Lynn Swan was kind of like a matinee idol, was kind of not... I don't want to I don't want to step on anything here, but like it is a sort of a black-on-black hit. Perhaps if perhaps if Hackens had delivered these hits to a star white quarterback in the AF, AFC or NFC, it'd be even a bigger racial thing. But I think your point's correct, that the star kind of matinee idol wide receiver, the hard-hitting kind of renegade safety for the big bad bad boy Raiders, like... Yeah, yeah the, certainly the silver and black. Yeah, sure. and, and, and they like Davis reveled in this, uh, reveled in it. I mean, yeah. but because he loved being the outcast. Yeah, but, the whole the whole Raider um, Raider Nation. Yeah, what do they call their fans? 
Is it just Raider Nation? Is it just Raider Nation? I, yeah, I, I, think I know they all wear those. Like they look like um. The old wrestling tag team with the shoulder pads with the spikes on it. Oh, def- El- Legion of Doom. Legion of yeah, Doom. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But the Road Warriors. But. Yeah. So then 77 comes and they win the they win the title. And then he decides in a couple of years that he's gonna move to Los Angeles. Just decides he's gonna move to Los Angeles. Why not? The Raiders had sold out every game from in Memorial, but they were not going to build him a stadium. Right. And that was Davis's big sticking point. Yeah, he, he wanted a stadium, and they weren't going to build one. I mean, Oakland's a very poor city. This is where he's not the most progressive owner because he doesn't no. want to pay for it. Mm-hmm. He just wants it. Well, he's a rich guy. Yeah, he is a rich guy. And it's also like a two. This is like the Oakland A's of the 70s, early 70s, that are like really successful, like, and they're sharing a stadium with them. And this is a, a big thing that plays out today. Oakland can't sustain two yeah. a big football stadium and a big baseball stadium. And ironic, things God, are not ironic. The Oakland A's are about to become the Las Vegas A's. Yeah, following the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders say that's towards. But yeah, that's a huge irony in all of this. The, the Raiders, it's, it's super interesting. The Raiders were the team that you had to play across the infield. In well, right, because it was awesome. That's the coolest. (laughs) That is the coolest looking football field. And there's just like a baseball diamond in the middle of it. That is awesome. You saw it. You saw it in like Three Rivers Stadium in Pittsburgh. You saw it in like San Diego later. The Padres and guys just guys just ripping their. Why is there dirt on this football field? (laughs) Oh, because the baseball team played yesterday. Also, the sight lines, not great. Because you're a long way from the baseball, from the field. The, the A's play in the same fucking stadium right now that the Raiders play, and the A's played in the 70s. It's insane. Yep. So, 82, of course, he drafts Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen says, I'm an Oakland Raider. But he was not an Oakland Raider. Gotta go back to 80, though. 80s where the suit actually Right, that's right. The suit happens. Brought. Right. In 80. And we get a hung jury. We do. Did you guys think he we'll was... S- did you guys think he was right? Like he's basically calling the NFL monopoly. It is. It is. Yeah. I think, like he's a hundred percent correct, and it is his right. It's his team. Let him move him. The lease was up with the city of yeah. Oakland. Um, he doesn't have a contract. I just didn't want to gloss over like the fact that they win Super Bowl fifteen in January of eighty one. Yep. Um. Again, he files a suit in eighty, <laughs> and that's Super Bowl fifteen. And I've I kind of deep dive this like on. Like just the game and the hype YouTube this yep. week and like that Raiders Eagles matchup is super it is so Al Davis and the fact that like that was a Dick Vermeil coached Eagles team that was very just like straight laced and just like we're we have a curfew, we're just gonna do all the things, we're just gonna be professionals in this and the Raiders, Al Davis as the owner and like down the line, these this group of just psychos. It's like they're just out partying all week. Yep. This and that. And they they blew the fucking doors off of Philly. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember and then you have the scene on NBC after with the trophy presentation, and this is a, this is maybe to me like peak like tension between Roselle, where Roselle has to present this trophy to Davis. It was a big question. I remember it. Is would he going he, to do it? Would he do it? Would Davis accept it from him? Sure. And they did. He they did. shook hands. Because yeah. What else are you gonna do? I thought it was, exactly. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. The there, there's an ESPN article where they run over the timeline. Yep. And the players had a prank on Roselle that they pulled. That they that they won't talk about like to this day, <laughs> like what they did. <laughs> the players love Davis. They loved him. All of them. They, they just love Davis. Things are. <laughs> I mean, he cuts Matt Millen. Like Matt Millen's contract's out. He wants another contract. Davis just cuts him, and they remain friends. 
They continue to talk like during the season. Bill Walsh would call him. Bill Walsh is coaching the Niners. He owns the Raiders. Uh, call him to talk about passing game because Davis, you know, kind of Davis take get, now gets credit for a lot of shit. Like he gets credit for the Air Coriel offense. He had nothing, to do. nothing to do. It was <laughs> happening in his division with the yeah. Chargers and Don Coriel. But um, if you look at the collection of talent that Al Davis had between that he obviously sourced and like paid and took care of, and these guys love him between the mid '60s and the mid '80s, like there's just like countless Hall of Famers at countless different positions, like just. In terms of just, like, ownership tenures and success, sustained success, I mean, Al Davis is one of the most successful owners. And obviously, it kind of goes south after, uh, the you know, by the mid-'80s, late-'80s. But, fuck, what a run. Madden to Flores, like, Stabler to Plunkett, and just all the countless guys on defense and the receiver. Like, what, the, a, what a run. These guys, they the all... The NFL was never more... The NFL right. was, was so incredibly... Was, First getting this visibility, and the Raiders were... It's why people like Schroeder, people our age, are Raiders fans. Because they're generations that just grew up seeing well, the Raiders on Monday night. Where it's not just everybody's Giants, well, Jets, Patriots fan. No, you the, just saw the Raiders more in those Ra- days. Raiders, Steelers, Cowboys. Dolphins, Cowboys. Yeah, Cowboys, I mean, you yeah. see all these, te- these teams that were just... Vikings. They were just on TV all the time. Exactly. Um, Packers. Packers, yeah. They're just on TV all the time. And so that's what you saw. You know, and sure. that's unlike... Any other sport, because I mean, okay, you're, you, you, there's NBA teams on TNT, but that happens with them too. There's a lot of Warriors fans, um, so Davis, I just think gets old, and it happens. I mean, Bill Belichick's twenty five and twenty five in his last fifty games. They get stubborn. They won't. They won't change anything. Life moves on, and they don't. Um, more specifically, I mean, Bob Kraft is just old. Jerry Jones, those they haven't been to a, the Cowboys haven't been to a conference title game in, in twenty five years, right. twenty seven years, because he I insists mean, on being the general manager. He's old, right? <laughs> like, um, but yeah, Davis gets old. But the to get back to the moving the stadiums, it has created, like, I think he's correct, but it's been a disaster. Yeah, well, now every owner has used and a lease agreement or publicly funded stadiums as an excuse to just get up and move wherever the hell they want. Well, the, you know, the, the Oilers, they were still drawn when they moved to Tennessee. Yeah, they just didn't, they, Saint, they Saint, wanted a stadium. St. Louis uh, was still drawn when they moved to Los Angeles where nobody gives a shit about them. Well, um, and They won a Super Bowl and nobody cared. Well, Ursay leaving in the middle of the night Art Modell. Art Modell leaving Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. Middle of the night, that's right. Right, and then um, <laughs> Modell, who sucked, just sucked. You see the Modell Sporting Goods guy? I think the Modell Sporting Goods thing is a tri-state. Okay. Uh, like North Jersey, New York City. I don't, th- I don't think it's the same. It could I'm be gonna, the same family. I don't think yeah. Art was. I'm going to choose to believe it is. All right. <laughs> Wouldn't be shocked. Wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> Got to go, gotta go this, to Moe's. This could be answered by a one-second Google search. But, uh, so, no, I mean, it has had negative implications on the sports because they've owners have been able to hijack cities, although that doesn't seem to be working anymore. Well, I mean, look what nobody's happened. building their own. Nobody's funding stadiums. Anymore. Oakland is also just like a great example of how it can go awry. Oakland to L.A., L.A. back to Oakland. Then oh. they were going to go to L.A. again and instead now go to Vegas. Right. His dream was always, Davis's dream was always to have, get a new stadium. Didn't happen in Oakland. Didn't happen in L.A. Finally happens in L.A. and in Vegas after he's departed, after, well, he's, after his death. 
Davis always maintained that Roselle tells him he could go to L.A., but he has to share the stadium with somebody else. With the Rams. Yeah, they wanted. Right. And the Rams, coincidentally, not for the same reason, end up moving to Anaheim Stadium. Right. So they would have the L.A. Coliseum, which, again, old and decrepit, but also, like, historic and fucking huge. Like, they'd have the biggest audiences every week, and they played in the, the L.A. Coliseum in the 80s and early 90s. Yep. Um, but it wasn't wasn't good enough for Al. Nope. Uh, partially because Roselle told him no. Yep. I mean, I think a lot of it was just Roselle told him no. In the mid by the late eighties, he is in his white velour tracksuit and a lot of gold jewelry. Big, and, uh, big and, sunglasses on yeah, the sideline, and, 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 and the Pat to, Riley hair. Yeah, the the hair that that has not seen its actual color in, in like ages. It's like yeah, he he becomes this kind of clown, and the team started to suck. Like the team sucked for a sure. while. They're, in the nineties, they were terrible. They were good for a couple of years with Gruden, and we could talk about. You wanted to kind of do a juxtapose the progressivism of Al Davis with what John Gruden, who was Al Davis's last sort of like golden boy, and what Gruden became 15, 20 years later, as we've all found out, just this racist, misogynist, racist piece yeah. of shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, who was in the 90s? Was Kerry Collins their best, or not Kerry Collins, uh, Rich Gannon their best? So, quarterback? Gannon comes in in like 2000. Takes they're, him to the, the Super Bowl. they're good in 2001, 02. They're good. In the 90s, they're bad. But it's when they have Gannon, they have Charles Woodson, they have they lose that snow game to the Pats, yep, to the Pats. in the one playoffs. Yeah, it was a fumble. Gruden goes to the Bucks <laughs> the next year. It was absolutely a fumble. Thank it was you. A fumble. Oh, it's an absolute fumble. Yeah. <laughs> they they dumbest ruling ever. They go to the Super Bowl the next year. They play the Bucks. So the Bucks are not coached by Gruden. I and get killed. They're they're dogs in the game. Yep. But Gruden Callahan was his offense coordinator. Gruden knows what's coming, and they and they shellack him. And the Raiders, I don't think, have one. I think since that Super Bowl in January 2003, they've been in the playoffs twice. They have not won a playoff game. No. Which, when people clown the Jets and shit, like, the Jets have won... Jets have been two FC title games in that run. They've won more, a lot more playoff games than the Raiders have won in that run. Let's not... You know, the Raiders have been really bad for two decades. Final question as we link this up. Is this... Are these... Are Roselle and Davis the two most important figures off the field in the history of football, and who would you give preeminence to? I th- I think they're the two. I think they're the two figures that are most responsible for the league's uh, standing right now. The league being the preeminent, um, definitely national sports entity, and I would dare say international sports entity. I think they have more. The NFL even internationally has more than what like the English like individual European soccer leagues have. They've they have a bigger breadth. Their dominance over American sports culture is so superior, and I think it it, it all goes back to you know we we didn't gloss over it, but like Davis as commissioner of the AFL, responsible for getting the AFL and NBC, getting them that that getting them in a, a major network, getting the major network television coverage, and that's the most important yep. thing for the. That happened towards the merger. The AFL was super visible. And TV, with TV comes money. With money comes the ability to get the best players. And that's what drove the merger. It was just it was, was, it was yeah. Kirk, Kirk Gowdy and Aldi Rogatis did the games for, AF, sure. for uh, the sure. AFL. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if an owner or commissioner has had the same impact on any other sport in the last, since the sixties. Um, you know, you look at baseball. Owners, they haven't. Uh, Sealing had a Sealing, maybe yeah. Sealing, I mean, I, I mean, Sealing's is almost C-League, all negative. Yeah, Sealing also like almost ruined the sport. <laughs> you know, whereas the you look at what the monolith that the 
NFL is now just cold. Like, it is not the NFL season, and we've been talking about the draft for weeks. You know, we've been sweating Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets for since the Super Bowl. Oh, and they're new. They have a new event that they haven't even picked a date for it yet, but it's going to be an annual. They're doing a huge event for schedules coming up. Yeah. Schedule release day. Sure. They're advertising it all over the place. Don't even have a date or a location. And that's, and, and I'll. But they just got 100,000 people in the fucking draft, which is insane. To do the sports reporters thing here, I'll do my, my parting shot, Dick Shap style. The AFL NFL merger of 1970 is, to me, the most consequential sporting news story, I think, of all time. And the two architects of that are Pete Rozelle and Al Davis, principally. Yeah. That's what makes them. I, them I, I, I think the only other person you could put with them is Rune Arledge. Sure. Because Arledge. When a football happened. Ar, Ar, and Arledge also created, I mean, he changed the way football was broadcast. There were more cameras. There was more patter. There was just, it, it was, it be, he, he turned it into an event. I mean, there is no Joe Buck without Cosell or, you know, that show or, or, uh, Meredith, you know, it was just such a big thing. I mean, we talk more about Davis and Roselle because Roselle was just kind of a suit, but he was... Also, like, the commissioner is like, okay, you do one thing, but, like, a wacky owner, you can cause problems. Like, you're more interesting. One of the things that they did say about Roselle was he led the league where he believed it should go even if the people paying his salaries disagreed with him. That that Roselle took on the owners in a way that no commissioner does anymore. Roselle built something that Tagliabu has just maintained and that Goodell has just maintained. And as obviously the dollars and cents of television rights and what the Super Bowl has become, like Roselle is the architect. Well, Tagliabu and Goodell, and the fact that Goodell's making what, $60 million a year right now? Thank you, Pete Roselle. Right. And thank you, Al Davis. Um, Diddy Heifetz on the Ringer uh, podcast. <laughs> Had a had a hot take that Rose that uh, uh, Goodell was underpaid. He's wrong because because Dan Snyder did everything in his power to ruin that franchise and still made five billion dollars on it. But yes, he was also wrong. I enjoyed reading about this. It was it was an interesting. I mean, these are guys I grew, I grew up with, but I haven't thought about Roselle in a long time. Well, he'd been dead for thirty years, so it's kind of. Couple cranky rich white guys going at it. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we'll say goodbye from the Bill Bradley Collective. As always, we thank you for joining us here. And if you like today's episode, smash that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Let's help grow the collective brand. We'll see you all next week on the Bill Bradley Collective.